Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Colossians 3, 1 through 17. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Colossians in your Bible. So if, you've, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices, and you have clothed yourselves with the new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all in all. As, God chooses ones, as, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam. Uh, I was once told that I needed to be more vulnerable when I preach, so um, that whole story about camp and underwear is me doing that for you. Taking things too literally, I guess. Well, um, I've shared before that I'm a bit of an overpacker. Like when I go on trips and whatnot, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not going to have the right piece of clothing. And um, actually, contrary to when I was in, you know, a child and going to camp, I will pack 10 pairs of underpants for a five-night thing. So, uh, you know, you just got to be prepared because, because... You know, if your clothing isn't appropriate for the moment, it can be uncomfortable, right? Like, I'm not going to go out uh, in my big winter jacket today, my big winter coat today. Uh, I'm not going to put on uh, a hoodie and mow the lawn uh, on the hottest day of the year. I'm just not, because it's not the right clothing for, for, the, for the thing. And neither am I when it gets really, really cold this winter. I'm not going to go sit out in the back porch uh, with the sprinkler on, uh, drinking ice-cold lemonade. I'm just, I'm, you know, in my swim trunks. I'm not going to do that because that would be really, 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 really uncomfortable. 
right? Although there are some people whose mental faculties need to be examined who go run into cold water in the middle of winter. Has anybody ever done that, like the polar plunge thingy? Yeah? All right. You have? I don't, I don't like being cold that much. But even if, even if you go to a, you know, a nice restaurant, you need to be clothed appropriately. And, and sometimes your clothes get dirty even. If they're the right clothes, maybe they get, they get dirty and you've got to change them in order to be, well, to be maybe healthy because you've gotten toxic stuff on yourself or whatever. Uh, or you've got to wear, um, yeah, to, to smell better, let's just say. Uh, you need to change that clothes. If you've ever ridden in a car with middle schoolers, after cross-country practice. <laughs> Looking at you, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there needs to be a change of clothing. And that is entirely what Paul is talking about today. Um, and he's, he's using the, this dominant image of taking something off and putting something on. Now, we've been journeying through Colossians, and uh, one of the other images that Paul has been talking about is, is baptism. And uh, one of the ways that we would uh, explain baptism is you go, you go down under the water and you are dirty and you come back up and you are clean. Uh, actually, in, in the early church, uh, people who were about to be baptized, they would have one set of clothing on and they would take that set of clothing off and get baptized. And when they would come up, they would be be provided with a brand new white robe, symbolizing, symbolizing taking off all the dirt and the filth of our sinfulness and being made one with Christ in baptism and then raised to newness of life, which is new clothes are appropriate for. And so that's kind of what's, what image uh, Paul is working with here. He's saying, uh, you guys, and, and the chapter starts with, so... Since you have been one with Christ, let me read it. I'll get it wrong. Uh, Here we go. I went too far. You don't have this problem with uh, regular Bibles, but you can scroll really fast on on that. Sorry. Verse 1 of chapter 3. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. We talked about that a little bit. But Paul is... He is saying to his friends, because, because you have given yourself to Christ, because you have been united with him in his death and his resurrection, because you have, have gone down into the water dirty and come back up clean. Now these are the ways that things need to change to reflect the change that has already taken place. Or the change that God is working inside of your life. Now, I, I should say, just right at the beginning of this, that our faith is always participatory. God calls us and says, I want you to be my son or daughter. I want you to live and love me. And I want to love you. Well, I'm going to love you anyway, God says. But I want to enter into, again, a relationship with you that's, that's, that's going to bring you hope and healing. Uh, and, and that's where God stops at, at that particular moment. And we have to choose. We have to say, yes, I want to be in that relationship. I, 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 want to, 
I want to get rid of the, the dirt and the brokenness of the person that I am. And then we begin to, to walk with Christ and, and we get baptized and, and, uh, and then a lot of people stop right there. Uh, but we have to. We always have to understand that we are participating with what God is doing in our own lives. That my brokenness is not something that just gets, you know, whisked away. Now, some people have miraculous transformations where they, they you know, like they get saved and they never do drugs again. Uh, that happens. God works that way. But I think for most of us, if we look inside, we say, I've been struggling with this particular sinful thing for a very long time. And I, I like, I can't, I can't root it out all by myself, but, and, and that's why God participates with us as we participate with God. Does this make sense? Your journey towards wholeness, towards healing, towards getting rid of the brokenness that has characterized your life is a process of participating with God. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this. You've been just thinking, getting, you know, thinking about your life, whatever, introspectively, as you might do. Some of you do that more than others probably. I, I have a tendency to get stuck inside my head, so uh, I do it a lot. Um, and you're sitting there, and you just, all of a sudden you realize, like, something, something pops in your mind. Like, oh, I do that, and that's not good. Like, that, the Holy Spirit has this way of revealing to us the parts of us that are sinful and bad when we don't even know it ourselves. Because as a species, we are extremely prone to self-deception, right? We are always working with Christ for our, we use this word, our sanctification, our becoming more and more like Christ. Well, he, uh, Paul starts here, uh, and he, he says in verse, uh, in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Um, now, uh, these, this list has a lot of things in common. Uh, one of the things the church has done uh, over a long time has, has fastened on to uh, kind of maybe the, the sexual side of these particular sins. Paul is not meaning for this list to be a comprehensive list of things that you need to put together or really to take off, like we're using that, that imagery. But what all of, what all of these things have in, in common, and that parenthetical thing is important uh, as far as Paul is concerned, all of these things are rooted in, an, in, an, in a, a selfishness. Uh, they are rooted in things that I want for myself and, and things that I might chase after at the expense of those around me. In, in the ancient world, uh, these things, specifically greed, would have been understood as idolatry. So idolatry, idol worship, same thing. Um, and what makes this particularly fascinating in terms of how Paul structures this is that Paul is saying, when you do these things, you are worshiping yourself rather than God. 
You're worshiping yourself rather than God. And so it is, well, you can worship more than one thing at a time because we do a lot. Uh, Phillies, maybe. Uh, although they're, they're stinking it up in a moment. Um, but God wants us to, to, to worship him uh, over and above ourselves. God wants us to be selfless, not selfish, and not just because that's what God wants us to do, but because God is calling us again to participate with him in what he's doing in the world. We ask, well, we say this all the time, our, uh, we're learning to love God with all our, our heart, with everything we have, and our neighbor as ourselves. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself if you are worshiping yourself above anything else really because you will be totally and fully consumed with your own desires and you will not be able to see the needs of others that are around you you will not be able to treat your husband or wife well put to death therefore whatever is earthly he's not talking about all earthly things but those things which get, we get wrapped up inside uh, we'll skip ahead then to verse 8 and 9. And he provides us with a second list. Now, this first one is more focused on us, and this one, this list is more focused on how we treat others, specifically in our language. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self, with its practices. It's not just about being, it's not just about not being self-absorbed. But it is also always about how we treat those around us. And maybe slander and abusive language and lying, how we talk to or about those with whom we are in relationship. Maybe specifically in Paul's context, about those who are within the church. Now get rid of all such things anger. You can still get angry, but in your anger, do not sin. That's what the Bible says. Wrath and malice and slander. This has everything to do with how we love or do not love our neighbor. Paul says, So, you have been united with Christ. You have been, you're with Christ in his death and his resurrection and you are moving towards new life and these things are not appropriate clothing. Goes a little bit farther, verse 11 then. Uh, In that renewal, there is no longer Jew, Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all in all. Now, this might seem kind of, kind of random in a list of you know, things that you shouldn't do. But when we, when we focus on ourselves, when we, when we worship ourselves and seek to fulfill our own desires, that, well, that, that will lead us to anger and malice and slander and abusive language and lying. Uh, but it will also lead us towards thinking that we are better than other folks. Uh, that I am superior, and we kind of touched on maybe some of that last week too, 
that, that I am, uh, I'm, I'm just better, and so you are worse than I am, so you're down here, and I can tell you what to do because, well, you're just not as good as me. What Christ has called the church to in selflessness is seeing each other, well, with eyes of love. And love always looks out for the good of the other. And you cannot look out for the good of the other person if you are convinced that you are better than them. Because it will only lead towards... ah, You've had people think they're better than you, right? Have you? Yes? Not just me? Okay. Yeah, you know how it feels to be treated that way? I'm right, you're wrong. That's not how it is to be in the church. It's not how the church is to work towards the world. It is not our position to say, ah, we have it and you don't. So we're above you. Part of the clothing that we're to take off I'm convinced his feelings of superiority. Of thinking because I do something differently or or better that I am better than you. I think we do that by, I don't know, submitting to each other. Saying to people, I'm human. I need you to speak truth into my life. I need you to call me out when I'm, when I'm wrong, and I promise I will listen. And having those people say the same things to you, and, and because of your mutual love for God and for each other, that you will guide and correct each other. That there will be no super Christian and just regular Christian. There will be no, well, there will be no pastor and lay people. Uh, I, hope, I hope you feel and know that I don't consider myself any better than any of you. <laughs> uh, but that we are all working in this thing together to, to participate with what God is doing in our own lives, to participate what God is doing in each other's lives and participate in what God is doing in all of the world. No Greek, no slave, barbarian. He moves forward and he says, okay, so take off all that other stuff, put this on. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, which that right there, um, uh, Christians have taken phrases like that, as God's chosen ones, God has chose us, God loves us best. Uh, that, that's antithetical to whatever else comes next. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, and humility, and meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now, this list right here in in verse 12 is all about how we treat, again, each other. And, And you'll notice that there is, in all of these things, there is an eye towards, well, maybe even the wrong that someone else has done towards me. I can, can have compassion on someone who has hurt me. 
I, I need to be kind to those who have hurt me. I need not to think of myself as better than you heathen sinners and meek and patient. This is the clothing that God wants us to put on after we've taken off selfishness and anger and malice and slander and abusive language. And you know what else this list has in common? This list is a pretty good descriptor of who Jesus is. That the, the clothing that Jesus wears, in fact, his whole being is compassionate. Jesus' whole being is kind. Jesus' whole being is humble. I mean, it's just, it's all right there in what he does, right? He comes down, he's God, maker, creator of everything, and he becomes a stinking teenage boy in the first century. Like, I would have waited till now, right? Indoor plumbing, good food. Humility. And do you know how patient, <laughs> how patient Jesus was? Those disciples were stupid. Like, they just, they just did not get it over and over and over again. They didn't give it. Peter denied Jesus even as Jesus is being, you know, arrested and all. And they all run away at the end, too. And God doesn't start off, well, okay, I'm going to need to hit a redo and pick 12 new guys, ones that aren't such total idiots. Ah, this, is, this is the character of who God is. Compassionate and kind and humble and oh so very patient with us when we put back on all of that dirty, stinking clothing as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, bearing with one another. Forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. This is something Jesus says, and and this is possibly the most hardest thing of all. It's to forgive those who have, have wronged us. I think that's part of Humility, actually. Because when we refuse to forgive, we're like, I'm, I'm looking down at you because you're a terrible person and you've done this thing to me. And maybe, if I don't forgive you, maybe I think that you just don't deserve God's love or forgiveness. All of this is aimed at, at us becoming more and more like Jesus all of this is, is God calling us to take off those old things that he's working with, with us and in us and calling us to participate with that so that we might look like Jesus Christ. So that we might live like Jesus Christ in the world. Above all, close yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which Indeed, you were called in one body and be thankful. All of those clothes that he's telling us, uh, love is to wrap it all up. For Father's Day, I got a, a robe. I've never had a robe in all my life. It is like fluffy and plaid and I cannot wait to use it because, I don't know, 
Everybody else in my family has a robe, and so, you know, it's, it's nice. I like to be warm. I like to be warm. Uh, but that thing, that thing will not stay closed. <laughs> I don't know what you all are thinking, okay? But, but with, with that robe comes, comes a belt, right? Yep. Praise God, that's right. Ain't nobody want to see that. Uh, so I take that belt and I, I put it around and I tie it real tight. And one knot doesn't do it, so I got to go two. Love is like that belt on my robe. It doesn't stay on unless kindness and compassion and patience and meekness and humility does not stay on. That robe does not stay closed if it were not for love. This is, this, is God's, well, this is God's love. It's God's love working in us, working through us. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I, I've been thinking a lot about the kind of the connection here. And uh, you can't have peace of any variety when you are selfish when you're only focused on satisfying your own desires. You cannot have peace of any kind when you are angry or when you're slandering somebody else or lying to someone else because all of those things create relational discord and conflict and it's just, it's hard because you're against absolutely everything. The only way for us to have any kind of peace in the good times and in the bad times is if we put on those clothes and tie them all together with love. Not only can we not be peaceful, we cannot be people of peace, we cannot have peace with all, without all that. We cannot be thankful. You can't be thankful if you're selfish. It's really, really hard to be thankful if you're angry. It's really, really hard to be thankful if you have not forgiven somebody. Each week, each week we, we participate in, in this meal. And uh, I was reminded this week of the, the term that, uh, well, the, the original Greek. I knew this. Uh, but it makes so much sense in the context of this particular passage. This meal is, is called Eucharist. It comes from a Greek word. And it literally means thanksgiving. Giving thanks. This meal is, uh, well, when we are focused on becoming more and more like Christ, we will realize how much how much Christ is doing in us and how much we need him to continue to work on us and, and to, to sustain us and get us through. And we will be thankful. We will be thankful for the things that we have. We will be thankful for the, the relationships we have. We will be thankful for what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do in us and in our life. So each week when, when, when you come down, this is a, this is a response if you want an altar call, 
This is the mother of all ultra couples. Because it, it, in the moment as you, are, as you are coming together, you come down this and you have to wait because we're slow. I think it's good that we're slow because it gives you some time to think. We're responding and we're saying, I am, I am thankful. I am thankful, God, for what you have done in me. I am thankful you that you are patient in the midst of my stubborn, selfish sinfulness. I am thankful that I am not the wreck of a person I would be if I were doing this all by myself. Or maybe if, if you are a wreck of a person because you've been doing it all of yourself, you can be thankful that God is not content to leave you that way. That this whole thing, all of this, is about healing and restoration. Not just about going to heaven when we die, but that people might be saved from hell here and now, like the hellishness of their own lives, maybe. And it is a moment of gratitude and thankfulness. I'll just talk about it like a meal, too. Uh, that it is. That's where it comes from. When you take that little bit of bread and that little splash of juice, and there's a mystery there. It's not magic, but God is in, in that moment. And we, we eat that, and, and hopefully, hopefully we are strengthened to go out into the world. I've been asked uh, why we do this every, every week. And some people are like, well, it's not special if you do it all the time. And I'm like, I kiss my wife every day. That seems pretty special to me. Y'all, I, I, we do this because it's good for us. Uh, part, partly, we do this because I need it. <laughs> like I need the, the reminder of of what I do. I need the reminder that God is working in me and, and I should stop working against him. I need it because I need the strength to go out and to, I need, I need the strength even to love God. I need the strength to love you all and to my family especially. Just kidding. I don't need God's strength to love you. You guys are, I try to be funny and it's not right. I know you, you, you all may not necessarily always feel this way about, about this thing. And that's okay. Because um, I, I think it's working in you even if you don't think it is. Because that's God's way. It's God. He's always, 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 always working in you and in those around you. Let's, let's pray, actually. Dear Lord, we thank you. Oh. Help us to be thankful every day. Oh, remind us of the things that we need to continue to work on, that we need to take off. Uh, help us to be less full of ourselves or, or seeking to worship ourselves by filling all of our desires. Help us to, to be humble to be compassionate, to be kind. Lord, help us to tie all that together with love. 
that we might take the love that you have given to us and then we may wrap ourselves up in it so that we may go out and wrap others up in your love as well. Or we are thankful. We are thankful for what you have done in our lives. We are thankful for what you have done in our church. And we are thankful that you will continue in your great mercy and patience. That you will continue to do things in us even when we're unfaithful. Lord, as we re-narrate the story, help us as we come to this table in response, help us to examine what kind of clothes we're wearing. Help us to know which ones are bad. Lord, help us, help us to do our part too. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.